Cougs house. All right. Huge weekend in college basketball. Lots of fun matchups, including our Houston Cougars playing the Temple Owls. So let's get to it. Let's start breaking it down. You are Locked On Cougs, your daily podcast on the Houston Cougars, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to Locked On Cougs, the podcast about your Houston Cougars. I'm your host, Houston-born teacher and coach Parker Answers, here to break down all things Cougs. If you're a U of H fan or just a hater can step by, please be sure to hit subscribe down below. That way you get you to check out the podcast each and every day. We probably news feed that way. We appreciate you making Locked On Cougs your first listen of the day. Welcome back to the YouTube channel. Good to see you again. We are just up over 460 subscribers. By the time you listen to this, we might be closer to 475. You guys are flying to hit subscribe, so thank you all so much. Remember, at 500, doing a giveaway with our buddies from Sparkle. They have glass cleaner, monitor cleaner, all that kind of good stuff. Uh, maybe throw a t-shirt or two in there. We'll see. Also, make sure you hit subscribe so we get to 500 and get that stuff away. To be entered, you need to be commenting. So make sure you leave a comment or a thumbs up or both preferably uh, to let us know what you think about the game this weekend with the Temple Owls. And if after the video, you're like, I don't need to talk about Temple Owls anymore. Tell us whether you like your ice crushed or cubed. Now, in this episode, we're going to go through and kind of in the first segment, break down big picture stuff with the Temple Owls. Um, Kind of an odd team in basketball, and we'll see how that matches up with U of H. In the second segment, we'll look at matchups from a guarding perspective, like what kind of defense Houston will play and how they'll cover them up. Um, they do present some problems uh, on that side of the ball. Um, they're just really, really big. We'll get to that in a moment. In the second segment, that is. In the third segment, we're going to look at how this game fits into the greater college basketball landscape. Um, again, like I opened up with in the cold open, it's a very, very... Uh, stressful weekend in college basketball in a lot of ways. Some top 10, five teams need to get wins to kind of stay up high. Some of those teams in the 12, 14, 15 area need to get wins to move up, especially in that Big 12 conference you're looking to join next year. But let's talk a little bit about Temple. Uh, so Temple is coached by Aaron McKee. Yes, same guy to play for the Sixers. Back making me feel old now. I, I love watching them play in those Iverson teams. Uh, they're 11 and 9. I'd say it's a deceptive 11 and 9. Uh, they're averaging about 69 points per game and only giving and giving up about 68 points per game. That adds up to a lot of very, very close games. Their big wins this season have been they beat Villanova by four, St. Joe's by 10, South Florida, the same South Florida gave us trouble by four, and Cincinnati by nine. Their big losses, they lost to Vanderbilt in overtime. It's power five school, believe it or not. Uh, they lost to UPenn by 20. Uh, that's a big loss because I didn't want to imagine UPenn was like that. They lost to Ole Miss by eight. Tulane by 10 and Memphis by two at the buzzer. So that is to say this team, um, at, well, it's a bunch of sophomores. Some of them are COVID and redshirt sophomores, so like fourth year of college kind of guys that are in their second year of eligibility through a number of different reasons. Um, a very young basketball team losing a bunch of games at the buzzer or losing a bunch of games that are close implies to me that as the season goes on, this team will have weathered enough storms to be able to predict the weather in a weird way, right? They'll be ready for whatever comes to them and i'm worried i'm worried in the sense that like houston will be like just the turning point right um it's kind of storybook i mean we know houston is number one team in the country gets the bullseye on their chest a lot uh that was evident in the alabama game for sure right the first time houston was number one in the country but i also think that there's something about how young this team is um 
Offensively, they're fairly simple. They run different kinds of dribble drive to get into some high-low action because they've got a bunch of different guys that can go into it. Um, they start four of their five guys predicted, uh, look to be about six, seven, or taller. I say predicted because they have a couple key injuries, and so their lineups have been kind of mixed over the last month or six weeks. So I'm assuming some starters that will get the match in the second segment, but assuming that the stars what I think they are, they'll start four guys, six, seven or taller. No one's seven, two or anything, but like they got a lot of length and they'll find mismatches in that. Um, and then once they get the high low setup, they dribble drive and attack the opposite block to kind of put that low defender in a bad spot, kind of make him make a decision which way to drive on help side and they give up the drop off or what have you. Uh, to cover that up, I think Houston's going to have to make sure that they're in rotation from the help side down, especially because Temple shoots so bad from three. I say that, you know, it probably means you get an extra step or two towards the help side because with the exception of one guy, you pretty much are okay with them shooting threes. Um, defensively, they run a tenacious, with all that length, trapping ball screen type of defense. They are so tight on the ball and so young. Their help side defense themselves it's frankly atrocious. Um, I imagine what you end up seeing is a lot of one-on-one basketball in this game. And if you're an and one mixtape fan, that's awesome. And if you're like a Princeton offense fan, I'm sorry, because I don't think that it's going to be that Princeton kind of game for Houston, uh, where they work in the ball and have that beautiful ball movement they're known for. It's going to be a lot of dribble penetration, finding the right matchups and going by guys, Sasser step back threes, Jarrett Walker attacking the cup. Um, what I will say is, that does favor Houston's athletes because Houston has better basketball players. And that's how they want to continue to defend Houston as they defended the Villanovas, the Cincinnati's, et cetera, of the world. I think that plays in their favor. It just might not be aesthetically what everyone wants, right? The one kind of like set I could see running is with uh, Jawan Roberts or a traditional big and kind of that opposite dunker spot running a two, four pick and roll with Sasser and Jarris because, that's the two best basketballers in the four as far as just per- pure talent goes by like a lot. And then with Jarris being so big on the short roll, um, the the length of Temple might cover up, you know, Sasser's 6'3 or whatever, but the big target there on a short roll is easier to see. And then it forces Temple to like tag a roll or whatever. And I say, I would say like, We've seen hints of this. The most you know, visible one was the Virginia game, if you're looking back at like uh, Jairus Walker as a creator. But if you go to like his high school tape or if you go to what like has scouts intrigued about what he does in the pros, he has a lot of like creative pass first kind of guy in his blood. Um, he enjoys throwing a good assist. He said as much when he was at IMG. And frankly, there were times where he ran like a point center type position at IMG. And that's why that short roll against Virginia um, against Tulsa, but it was very, very short-lived. Against Cincinnati, those kinds of moments kind of make it, like, elevate his game in a different way. And so I could see Sasser hitting some of those. Not that Jamal Shedge from Monmark, those guys can't, but the dual-edged sword there of a double-edged sword. That, you don't have a dual-edged sword. All swords have, have duels, Parker. A double-edged sword there, right, with you have Sasser coming off, so you got to take away the ball handler with the trap that they are so well-known for but then step back and drop it off as a short roll. And now you got Jarris playing four on three with a you know, defensive recovering. That's the kind of thing I think that really plays in Houston's favor here. Um, I don't know if that will lead to drop offs like to Jarris, to Juwan Roberts, like the Tulane game did. I don't know if it'll be kickouts of three. And we need like Shimon Mark and Emmanuel Sharp and Terrence Arsenal and, and hopefully Jamal Shedd too. Like guys out there hitting threes. I don't know what the out, maybe it's a you know 50 ball from. 
Jairus Walker himself and college basketball would be nuts. That's 50 points in 40 minutes. Um, but I do think that that's the best like traditional set. I don't see Houston get into the floppy game. That's like the most uh, organized set. You see, you've seen them run a lot this year. And then I don't see uh, Temple running a lot of zone unless they break their tendencies just to mess with Houston, which McKee might do, I guess. And and I guess that that would lead to some more traditional sets. But it's going to be a lot of iso ball. And I think that there are people based on online comments <laughs> that don't like that. But Houston is like that because they've got that kind of athlete. And with no help side or with very little help side, unless Temple's gotten a lot better in the last like two days of practice, um, I imagine what that means is that help side is just too it it's just too slow. It's too far away to get to the guys going to the cup. Uh, the other thing I noticed is that several of their big guys again they've had injuries, so um, you know we'll see who ends up getting in the game for them. But several of their big guys come over and like immediately bump the ball here of their chest or make some sort of a silly foul. And if the game is called tight. Um, that's only going to go more in Houston's favor. Houston plays very physically, so I guess they could get in their own foul trouble, but we'll see how they go with the key players before we get into the matchups. Second segment will be matchups, but the key players are Heiser Miller and Khalif Battle. Uh, Heiser Miller is their point guard. The, he's a 6-1 point guard, um, and he kind of steers the ship. Khalif Battle leads them in points, which is going to be interesting. In a moment, we'll get to the matchups. I'll tell you why. But before we get to the matchups, we got to talk a little bit about betonline.net. Now, betonline.net is your number one source for sports betting info, stats, news, analysis, whatever you want. You get the latest odds and trends for every professional sporting event out there, amateur leagues too, from pro football to college basketball. They've got everything you want. If you love sports podcasts, you can even find those at BetOnline as well. It's the fastest and easiest way to get your sports betting info. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more. BetOnline is where the game starts. Now, what I think is interesting here is that I've said this all week, and as the week's gone on, I've got less confident about it, but I'm sticking to it. I'm going to tell you at BetOnline.net, in the NFL playoffs this weekend, on the NFC side, you've got the Giants and the Eagles for the third time this season. They've got the Eagles by 7.5. You've got the Cowboys and the 49ers. 49ers have their third-string quarterback, Brock Purdy, who is better than the average third-string quarterback, but is a third-string quarterback. And they played in the playoffs last season, and it came down to a quarterback scramble or quarterback draw that went too long, too, took too much time off the clock because they have Mike McCarthy's head coach, and that's the kind of thing they do. What I'm going to say here is I think both of those games are closer than the spread. That's my recommendation uh, I'm not a professional. <laughs> I, I just, that's my, after watching these things happen, that's what I'm telling you to, do, to go do. And that's what I'm telling you to go put your money on. I'm telling you to do it at betaline.net because that is where the game starts. All right. So in doing these matchups and lineups, I was like looking across their starters um, and we'll go through them in a moment. But what's fascinating to me is their two best scores are both guys off the bench. Their leading or second leading score in every conference game thus far, that's Temple, has either been Damian Dunn or Khalif Battle. One of those two guys is in one of the top two scoring positions every single game of conference. And in each conference game, they have come off the bench. And I, I don't know why that is. I know it. Like LSU, so like Houston Rocket, Tari Eason, right? When he was at LSU, he got there and... The coaches bluntly told him, like, look, man, we promised a lot of these guys that uh, they'd be starting and getting starter minutes. 
but we're gonna or they they'd be starting and like getting whatever cachet comes with that. So we got to play there um, at the six man. He got six man of the year in the SEC was a top seventeen draft pick in the NBA, right? Like very clearly talented enough. I don't know that Khalif Battle is anywhere near Tari Eason, um, but he leads them in scoring at seventeen and a half points per game. He can fill it up. He's also by far shooting. Uh, he's their best shooter from three at thirty two point eight percent, which is not a great percentage by any stretch, and they don't shoot a great percentage from three. But he's shooting thirty eight or thirty two point eight percent on eight point seven attempts per game. He's coming off the bench and jacking nine threes a game. I'm telling you, he's dangerous. Now he doesn't start. Damian Dunn doesn't start. I don't know why they don't start, but those two guys, and maybe a Temple guy can tell me in the comments why they don't start, and we'll figure that out before the game on Sunday. But those two guys are their best scores, and um, part of that, I'm sure, is injury. Uh, the most notable injury is Jameer, uh, Jameer Reynolds is their big fella who's hurt. So um, that changed, like their big big fella that's hurt. So we'll t- talk about that in a little bit. Um, but I, before I get to starting lineups, I, I feel like. A, if you're going to change the starting lineups, you probably pull one of those two guys in against Houston. And B, like you're going to see these guys come off the bench and be like, what? We're getting beat by bench guys? But they've been doing this to everyone. Um, at point guard, they started Heiser Miller, 6'1", 170. Um, I think he gets the Jamal Shedd matchup. He's an 8.3 points per game, 3.6 assists per game kind of guy. I think the bigger thing to me on him is he might get a lot more hockey assists hitting the high-low or you know starting the rotation that leads to a basket or whatever. And I want Jamal Shedd cutting him off because much like uh, St. Mary's called Jamal Shedd, the head of the snake, I'm calling Heiser Miller the head of the snake. I think he does a lot of things that you know start their offense and get them going. He's also the lone true ball handler on the floor. And if Jamal Shedd can take him away, all of a sudden things could get a little bit dicey for them as far as bringing the ball up and getting things rolling in a half court. Um, their two guard, this is interesting to go, two guard, wing, Power forward, center, goes 6'7", 6'7", 6'8", 6'9". So that presents matchup problems. I think Jaleel White draws the Marcus Sasser matchup um, because he's not quite the scoring threat, just 5.5 points per game. Um, Marcus can drive him crazy, and if he ends up having to dribble the ball some, Marcus will turn him over a lot. My worry is that um, in watching some of their games, particularly uh, Villanova, They'll hunt that matchup in a high-low. They hunt whatever matchup in a high-low, and Mark is giving up four inches in a great look. With how poorly everyone except for Khalif Battle shoots the basketball, what I imagine they go to is more of a front with a backside help guy to protect the lob. Um, don't quote me on that, but that would be my assumption because Sasser's so quick, he won't ever get beat on the rotation as far as he wants to stay in front on the front side of things. But well, I'm giving up four inches there. I'm giving up four inches at any spot for Sasser. And so that's where I think he goes because uh, Jaleel White, try, you know, he's the secondary ball handler and Sasser will eat that up. Um, Zach Hicks is the high score amongst the starters. Admittedly, one of the starting big men is new to start, relatively new to the starting lineup, but he's going to 8.9 points per game, shoots 35% from threes on six attempts. Um, so a little bit less than Khalif Battle. What I noticed in film and watching this guy, I watched a couple games, uh, on on YouTube, you can find them too. Um, but what I will say is, it looked like to me Zach Hicks is taking a lot less of like the jacket threes, right? Like he's not just catch shoot, catch shoot when he like making up something happen. Um, so I I guess my thought there is I'm going to put Tremont Mark um, because Tremont Mark has the length to play some of the help side and get back out to the shots. Again, Tremont Mark is six five listed. Uh, this Zach Hicks is six seven listed. 
you know, uh, <laughs> that's the way the cookie crumbles sometimes. And that's where you got to go. Is, it has to go. I think that Shaman Mark also, though, as opposed to Jarris Walker in that matchup would be my other thought. But Jarris fouls three-point shooters. And Shaman Mark doesn't. Right? That that That's as simple as it is to me. Why foul him at the end of the line? Um, he's a decent free-throw shooter, too. So why why risk that? Uh, Nick Jordan is the 6'8", 205, like, combo forward. He does some inside stuff, some outside stuff. Um, he is a 6.2 point per game score. And I think that draws the Jarris Walker matchup both in size and strength. Um, I will say that the interesting to me here is that he's the kind of shooter, you know, shooting less than one three game and shooting less than 10% from three that if he's ever not within 10 feet um, in watching these games, I think Jarris can kind of play free safety back there. And that's dangerous for Temple to allow Jarris to do that. But if they're going to play Jordan, his 22 minutes a game, like they've got uh, on average all season, I think Jarris ends up just winning that matchup and thus is able to play that kind of roaming free safety and help side because he's not a threat to shoot the jump shot. And frankly, that's good for Jarris who fouls jump shooters a lot, right? He can close out with low hips, high hands and not worry about it. Um, the big man that's been playing since the injury to uh, Jamil Reynolds and, and uh, the anyway, the injury to Jamil Reynolds has been a guy named, I think it's Kirk Jungic. Um, I say that because being an injury replacement, he has not had enough airtime for me to get a whole lot of other pronunciations of his name. So a, a temple guy, if you're still listening to this, please tell me down in the comments below how to pr- properly pronounce that so I get it right in the uh, post game on this one. And B, he is a uh, he's the only senior of anyone I've talked about. Everyone else, everyone else is some type of a sophomore, a COVID and redshirt sophomore, a true sophomore, whatever. Um, Kirk Jungic or Kirk Jungic is the only senior. He's six nine to twenty, a very like well built two twenty, super strong. Shoulders look like bowling balls. Um, he's just getting one point eight points per game. He's a muck it up kind of guy. Um, let me make sure I got this number right. He's getting as a muck it up kind of guy, all 3.2 rebounds per game. That's admittedly a little lower than he's actually gotten the last four or five games. Uh, he's been more like in the seven, eight range, but because he has those games, he played early in the season as not a starter. That's pulling the season wide per game average down. So I wonder if he's closer to like a six and six or a six and eight kind of guy. Um, so we'll see that gets the Juwan Roberts matchup. Anytime I see a guy with that broad a chest that wants to kind of play physical and dirty like that, um, my immediate thought goes to Jawan Roberts and then bring in Cheney, Javier Francis, whoever off the bench to mess with them there. And then moving Roberts potentially to the four when that happens, um, depending on what you want to do with Jarris. Here's what I will say. And this is going to be what I wrap up this game with before uh, giving my, in the last segment, I want to give a, my prediction on a score and B so look at other games across the country that could impact the Cougs long-term. Um, this might be the game we finally see the lineup I've been asking for, which is Francis or Cheney, Roberts, Walker, potentially Mark, and then Sasser, right? Now, that makes Sasser playing the point guard, which will be his NBA position, a combo guard. And um, it's the biggest lineup I think Houston can realistically put out there. And I think the deal is, is that if there's ever a time to experiment with it, it'll be Temple. And the reason I think you have to experiment with it against Temple is because there will be a tournament game where Houston needs to play some size on the floor all at once. And frankly, 
I'm intrigued by the defense there. Um, we'll see if Samson goes to it. Samson's a much better coach than I am. Um, and he he might have other plans, but I'm just intrigued by the thought and size. And it'd be a chance against live bullets, against live game action to see it break down. So that's my thought there. Now, I said that in the third segment, I was going to talk to you some about the score and other games across the country. But first, let's talk about Built Bar. Now, Built Bar is great if you're looking for a delicious treat, but don't want all the fat and calories. You've got to try Built Bar. We just got through the holidays. I know everyone's goal, or my goal, I shouldn't say everyone's goal, is to eat a little bit healthier this year. If you're like me, when you want to just eat healthier, but you don't want to compromise on taste, then you've got to try Built Bar. It's healthy and actually tasty. What makes them so good? I know I talk about this all the time, but they are covered in 100% real chocolate. Yes, real chocolate. They get great flavors like churro, peanut butter brownie, chocolate almond, or sorry, coconut almond. I think they have chocolate almond too, though. Um, I'm not sure how they do it. They got amazing macros while tasting great. 130 calories, 4 grams of sugar, 17 grams of protein. Like a good protein bar is like 10 calories per gram of protein. And this is 130 calories and 17 grams of protein. This is great. So if you, uh, we've been telling you for years to go to built.com do that at the Lockdown Network. Uh, but now you can go to your local Walmart or Sam's Club. That's right. You go to your local Walmart today. You can get a four-bar box of cookies and cream, double chocolate, coconut puffs, whatever at Sam's Club. You can get a 13-bar box of hit flavors like brownie batter and churro. Trust me and thank me later. I am going to say the flavor you got to look out for, if you're an Almond Joy person like myself, is coconut almond. It really does, between the consistency on the inside, bits of almond and real chocolate, I'm telling you, it tastes like an Almond Joy, and it's a great breakfast. It's Almond Joy for breakfast. It's a protein bar that you can have for breakfast that tastes like candy. Trust me, go get it today. That's Built Bar, available at Walmart, at Sam's Club, and at Built.com. All right, so if I'm gonna, first of all, I should say this game is on Sunday, and frankly, it's got a um, a fairly high ranking on Thrill Score, whatever, because it's a conference game. It's a fun game. Um, I'm gonna predict Houston wins. Let's say 70 to 55. Um, my, I, I kind of want to go 52, actually. Houston is consistently holding teams to 20% lower, like consistent, like almost every game, to 20% lower than it's going the season. So I'm thinking 20% lower than the 70. And then Houston is scoring in the high 60s and low 70s fairly consistently across the season, even with some of those duds like Kent State. Now, I would contest Kent State being a dud. We'll say that for a separate episode later but um i'm predicting we'll say yeah we'll say 70 to 50 let's put the difference three 70 to 53 um that's lower than i said second. yeah okay 70 53 final answer now that would put the cougs undefeated in conference still and that would launch them to 19 and 1 come monday's ap ranking um, there are a handful of other games that Houston needs to watch out for as spectators of sorts to pay attention this weekend that might impact the Cougs. The notable one is another American Athletic Conference contest on Sunday, Memphis versus Cincinnati. Memphis is kind of desperate for wins at this point. Cincinnati is hoping to build a case to be a second American team in the big dance come March. And so this game is in Cincinnati. It is also on Sunday. And frankly, I, I think you're lying to yourself. You don't think the Cougs are scoreboard watching in that because Houston plays Cincinnati again before they play Memphis at all. Now, for whatever reasons, Mem- Houston plays Memphis twice in the last month of the regular season. 
And that means they're going to have gone through a lot of the conference before getting to see Memphis. Memphis, if we're paying attention, was projected to be the second best team in the conference before the season started. Penny squads had some ups and downs. He's got some great commits coming in next year. Too bad we'll be in the Big 12. And I, I think what's interesting here is there's like been a lot of anticipation about these games. And that's going to be kind of a nice eye-opener for Houston is how it's going to go. That's the big game on Sunday I'd watch. Um, obviously, like, and then you're a Texan, go home and watch football. Not Texans football, because that, that's not a thing that happens in January, but you know what I mean. Um, I, on Saturday, there's a handful of matchups across the country. One out west is uh, number five UCLA versus number 11 Arizona. Um, UCLA being number five in the country and then beating number 11 Arizona in their gym would be a big step forward for them as far as the rankings go across the country, especially when you remember that Kansas lost earlier in the week. Um, if you care about those things, that's important. The other thing is, is a lot of people that are in the bracketology world are projecting Houston. If they were to get a number one seed, be the number one seed in the Western regional goes through Las Vegas, buy your tickets now. They're expensive, but um, the likelihood of, if you are the number one seed out West of getting one of those two teams in your bracket is fairly high. Because they're both fairly West. Um, and so theoretically, if like the committee determined that neither UCLA or Arizona, one of which will probably win the Pac-12, if the committee would decide that neither one were a true number one seed, they probably become your two or three seed. And heaven forbid they're both there. They're both very good basketball teams. I know we beat Arizona last year, so we probably feel good about that. But they're a very good basketball team. So look to see that one kind of get a preview of what could come way, 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 way down the road. Um, the other things we're going to way, way, way down the road that I will say I'm watching this weekend. Uh, number seven, Texas is at West Virginia. That place is hard as heck to play. I know we won't see it in person till next, uh, next season. Actually, the schedule's not out. Don't quote me on that. But, uh, West Virginia is crazy difficult to play at. Um, Texas has the target on the back that they always do. Uh, UT Austin, burn orange, the money, the whatever. And they're number seven in the country. So that's kind of this back to the same rankings thing. And then TCU in Kansas. Um, Kansas cannot afford to lose this one. TCU has been ranked uh, throughout, you know, up and down throughout the season. Um, fascinating to see their, their basketball program grow. Ken Palm still likes them a lot. Um, Kansas dropped one to Kansas State earlier this week. I don't think it's anything to do with the purple, but Kansas needs a win to kind of prove that they really, you know, are the program they think. And frankly, you know, dropping two in a row in the Big 12 is super easy to do but could hurt them in the long run as far as rankings go. So Houston needs to win on Sunday. I was, that's you know priority number one. But in watching these other games, there's a couple games both near and far and you know in the future that will be very near that I think Houston fans should be watching out for. So if you're looking for something to watch in the college basketball world this weekend, those are my recs to pay attention because of how they impact the Houston Cougars. Thank you all so much for tuning in today. If you want to talk more about those games, Houston Cougars, the Temple matchup, Cougar football, recruiting, uh, Rockets, Astros. We can talk about the Texans if you want to talk about the Texans. Uh, sneakers, whatever you'd like to talk about. I got I got a wall of them behind me. I'll do all those things at Painsworth512. It's P-A-I-N-S-W-O-R-T-H-512 on Twitter, Instagram, uh, Be Real. I've got a TikTok, but maybe we should turn into a Locked on Cougs TikTok and just post those. It, would you like that? Tell me in the comments if you like that. We can post those kind of things there as well thank you all so much for tuning in to the show today locked on Cougs is a proud member of the locked on podcast network and as a member i'm going to tell you for your second listen go check out locked on college basketball because they've got a breakdown of all those types of matchups i'm talking about 
consequences of all those kind of matchups. They do college basketball on a national level every single day. Cook friendly show too. So make sure to check that out. Thank you all so much for tuning in. Locked on Cooks. Remember Locked on Podcast Network, your team, in our case, the number one team in the country every day. Go Cooks.